0: Designs. Oh, this episode of the Brutal Reality Digest Online Podcast is brought to you by New World Designs, Vancouver's finest selection of retro-inspired fashion. Located on West Hastings Street, New World is locally owned and operated in just plain radical. They strive to bring the best in vintage reproduction brands such as Collective, Voodoo Vixen, Hell Bunny, Band Apparel, Betty Page Clothing, and more. They can also hook you up with accessories like jewelry from local designers. Oh yeah! New World Designs is also a recognized safe place by the Vancouver Police Department as they are inclusive to all who wish to embrace this retro look. Don't live in Vancouver? Unfortunately, neither do I. Luckily, New World Designs now offers an online store. That's right, head on over to nwdvan.com and she can ship your groovy new clothing right to your door. Still not satisfied? Tell your pals that Brutal Reality Digest sent you by using the coupon code STAYRAD and get a 10% discount. Now that's a spanking deal, folks. Once again, that's nwdvan.com or if you're lucky enough to live right in Vancouver, head on down to 434 West Hastings Street and say hello to Jen and her lovely crew that's New World Design. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Bird Drop, the Brutal Reality Digest online podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Hotta, and I am pleased to welcome my fellow brute, Stuart Old, to the show. How are you doing, buddy? Doing great. Good morning. It is a good morning, and it's an even better morning because we are pleased to welcome the author of Tapping the West, Scott Messenger, coming all the way from Edmonton, Alberta. How's it going today, man? It's going really good.
1: How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing well, man. It's a beautiful day here in Red Deer. Sun shining. It poured rain all night, which it can happily do because I was sleeping. <laughs> Looks <laughs> like it's going to be a great day.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it was a heck of a storm last night. There was a couple of crackers uh, uh, going on uh, outside last night, waking me up. So uh, if I say anything a little crazy, I'm going to attribute it to a little bit of lack of sleep.
0: <laughs> Fair enough, man. <laughs> it's been definitely been a strange summer for a number of reasons, but. It's actually been pretty nice here in Red Deer the last month or so. We've kind of getting that summer weather just in time for summer to end. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So what's go- what's going on in your your day today? What's what's on the docket?
1: Uh, well, we're actually uh, going to get ready to go on a on a, a short uh, trip here with the family, just to, to get out of town, maybe get down to Jasper or something like that. Uh, hopefully, hit a few breweries along the way um you know just before the kids get back to school and uh and that kind of thing but uh yeah and i weather's looking all right and uh like i say i i think the beer's gonna be pretty tasty along the way too so i'm pretty excited about the whole thing
0: daddy got any any breweries in mind <laughs> that you're gonna be hitting up
1: well out towards jasper there's um there's uh, uh apex predators on the way just outside edson um folding mountain is one i'm gonna focus on as well uh, possibly make stop at Jasper Brewing Company um, once we're inside the uh, the park. That's um, probably about as far as we'll get for for this uh, leg of travel anyway. This time of year.
0: Interesting side note about Apex Predators. They've they actually changed their name. Was it last year? Yes. Did you encounter any of that in your research for your book?
1: Yeah, I, I heard some of the stories about that from other brewers and. Um, it sounded complicated and I decided not to weigh into it but I it sounded unfortunate um, to me is is really what it came down to Um, you know it's uh, I think that's hard I imagine I've never talked to them about any of this so I'm talking a little bit out of turn but I I imagine it's hard to go through uh, once you've been a well-established brewery for a while under a certain brand, and then you have to um, make that kind of change. Mm -hmm. You know, the the nice thing is the contents of the cans (laughs) didn't change in any way, and the beer is still absolutely fantastic. Um, But still, uh, I guess that's part of doing business sometimes, and um, I guess that's the reality. Even in the beer world, sometimes it can be um, uh, challenging.
0: Yeah, because they used to be Bench Creek Brewing, correct? Right. And then all yep. of a sudden, because I worked at a little craft beer liquor store, and then all of a sudden it's like all the branding changed. I'm like, what's going on here?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But, you know, I suppose it, it throws everybody for a loop for a little while, and then, you know, word gets out soon enough, right? And the nice thing, too, about the community, the, the Alberta craft beer community, is, is um, you know, people will rally, I think, around um Uh, those who need support um, and deserve the support Uh, so I'm guessing that um, that probably came to their aid Um, you know I I certainly wasn't about to stop drinking their beer because they changed their name like I say they're they're one of the uh, uh, one of my favorites anyway so
2: so speaking of uh, rallying if you've got a few breweries um, on the list for your trip and uh, you've got the family out there are you all beer drinkers is that right
1: we are not. I'm the only one. Um, <laughs> my wife doesn't drink at all. Um, and uh, my kids are tiny. So it's uh, it's basically oh, okay. just me um, testing their patience mostly. Um, you know, hopefully we can uh, bring ice cream for the kids or something like that and, and a coffee for my wife or something <laughs> while they all, uh, you know... They, uh, I do my best as to not drag it out, if you know what I mean. There's a little bit of a balance to be struck, and, and uh, you know, it's it's a family vacation, though, and it should be fun for everybody, including Dad. Um, so,
2: you know, yeah. that's kind of how it too. Well, I guess since you've had the book published, can you still use the excuse that it's sort of like you're doing work? Like it's professional? <laughs>
1: It's all validation now. Um, yeah. Validation, everything is in the book. It's. It, I guess a little bit. It's just part of enjoying having gone through and done that work um, and to sort of be able to go out to a brewery and not be thinking about what I might have to say about it later on. Um, you know, that said, it's, you know, you're always sort of thinking in, in the background. There, there's probably another book that i'd like to put together at some point and and so you're you're just sort of filing things away mentally uh, at this point in time um although my memory's super terrible um like my memory's as bad as my penmanship so if you combine those two things it, you're screwed you'll never be able to write a book um but uh so if i can tap something out onto onto my phone or something and and think about it later then that's i'm not saying it's not going to happen but for the most part it's just go out and enjoy what you know these amazing brewers are doing right so
0: yeah, absolutely. So let's just introduce the audience in case they're not familiar with your your work. Like, so what's your background? I just kind of looked at your website, and it's quite a laundry list of publications that you've been published by. So how did you get into the into the writing world? It's a long story, and I'll make it very short for you. Um, <laughs> I, I went to university
1: to uh, get a science degree, um, and um, because when I finished high school, I was good at science, and I didn't know what else to do with myself. And I didn't do a gap uh, between, and um, that's the one thing I'm going to tell my children when they get older is to try to take some time between high school and um, and post-secondary, just to get a sense of what you want to do. So anyway, I went into university, got my science degree, uh, wasn't too into it even when I was doing it, um, took some some writing classes on the side because I always had a bit of an inkling about wanting to do that kind of thing, uh, whether it was, at that time, it was mostly fiction. I wanted to be a fiction writer, right? And so I took a lot of courses based on that, uh, in addition to science, got out of university with my science degree, worked in a lab for about a year, hated it, uh, abandoned it completely, and went traveling. And um, after that, I came back and kind of worked some, you know, jobs here and there, tried to start getting into some some freelancing with some connections that I had from, from the writing world previously. And uh, and it worked. Uh, luckily. and um, I just got myself a really cheap apartment in a bad part of town to get myself through on a, on a freelancer's salary for a while. Um, and you know, it was actually a good time. It, it It taught me a lot of things about writing, taught me a lot of things about living, and kind of set me on the path, I suppose, to to where I am now. So, I feel like I paid some dues, <laughs> you know, um, not as many as a lot of other people have had to pay. But uh, maybe for my profession, um, you know, it it unfolded uh, it through a lot of hard work and a lot of luck, too. Right. So um, but it's gone. It's gone good. And then, you know, I have always wanted to be able to eventually write a book when I eventually became interested in craft beer. Um, and was blogging about it for a little while, I started to think after that project, well, maybe maybe this is the book maybe this is this is where I can get started on that. so that 's kind of the shortest version of that story for you. Sorry, it was a bit long
2: no, not at all it's 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 good to know. I mean, I guess leading into tapping the West, you decided to write about to blog about Alberta beer for a whole year. This was two thousand and sixteen yes
1: yeah that's right yeah
2: um, so what was that like
1: that was fun that was a lot of fun um, and that that was uh, that was me knowing absolutely nothing about um, two things really um, Alberta beer and craft beer um, and I decided to basically put that ignorance on display and and do a po- or, pardon me, not a podcast a blog about just acquainting myself with the industry as it stood at the time and at the time it was it was much smaller than it is today I think There were between 40 and 45 or so breweries um, at that time, compared to now, which is more than 110. So uh, my goal was just to actually try um, beer from every brewery in Alberta. And I got through about 40 to 42 or something like that. And some of them were just, you know, they weren't canning, they weren't sending to liquor stores, they were out of the way, and I just didn't get out there and that kind of thing. So I was a little lazy about the project in some ways. But... At the same time, it allowed me to get an understanding of who was out there. Uh, it got me to learn a little more about the styles, the different styles that Alberta Brewers were making. Um, and it also then got me thinking about where it was all headed and why it was happening. You know, um, that wasn't too much part of the the blog at the time. It was just sort of me like i say meandering through through the industry and going to the liquor store and picking out stuff and just tasting and and like i say just having fun with it and some I, I, you know that the blog was sort of it was funny because it was actually picked up by by media and i to this day i'm still shocked um by that um, that anybody would be interested in some dude writing about not knowing anything about beer, and uh, but you know we 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 ended up in the local paper and on the newspaper pardon me and, uh, on the radio a couple of times, and one of the the local reporters I I really enjoyed this was she the way she described the blog is it's about beer and other things and it was because she just they didn't nobody really knew how to describe it because it was just sort of you know not so much like stream of consciousness kind of thing but there would be these tangents you know the beer would point me in some direction and i'd be inspired to write about some something about something and really that's as simple as it got you know i just I'm rambling now, and I'm ruining your podcast because of it. I apologize. But Not at all. <laughs> it was just it was just a fun project to just sort of write in that sort of free-flowing way and have beer be the inspiration for it, but at the same time try to learn something about beer. And I felt maybe I was telling other people a little bit about this industry at the time, too, for anybody who was actually reading, you know what I mean?
2: Well, I mean, certainly for myself, a knowledge basically of zero before I read your book here. I mean, when... Because I was living in Red Deer in 2015 when Troubled Monk opened, yeah, I, I really didn't understand the significance of why it was opening or what right. it changed to, to sort of facilitate that. So yeah, it was, it was definitely cool to learn about it. Would you say that the response to your blog was what inspired you to write the book or were you going to do that anyway?
1: I hadn't thought at that point when I was writing the blog that it would, you know, sort of lead me to a book. And I think the response did um, motivate me, at least, to to explore it further um, because there wasn't a book. You know, there was uh, there were certainly other um, more qualified and informed um, writers uh, about Alberta beer who were um, writing at the time and and still are some of them. And you know, but but nobody was sort of packaging it up into a into a, a longer narrative. And so I thought, well that's could be done um and i think that there's there was a an appetite or a thirst if you like um for that kind of uh of product so yeah once i finished the blog it was there was a long gestation period between that and actually pitching the book um and getting the the proposal accepted but so it was kind of a lot of thinking and sitting on my hands and wondering, oh yeah can i do this that kind of thing right and then just sort of the daunting nature of writing a book um, got in the way of, of all that as well. But then eventually I just realized, well, I'm getting older. I'll probably be dead at some point here sooner than I would like. Um, <laughs> I should just get on with this. And so I just did, you know, just to see what would happen. And I was surprised when somebody said, yeah, okay, we'll publish that. Um, and it was like, oh, oh now I'm committed. I, I, now I actually have to do this, which is good. It's like sort of a good way to operate in some ways, right?
0: Yeah, and did you notice, like, I don't know what the craft beer industry or like the reporting industry was like. But I know a lot of my friends are put off by the pretentiousness of a lot of people, you know, like not everybody wants to hear about mouthfeel and all that. Like it seems yours is a little more approachable, your style. You feel like there's a need for that?
1: Yeah, I, I I really I think there was a need for it for sure. Um and uh I don't read a lot of beer reviews, you know, I, I, I guess I don't I don't feel one way or another about about people who write reviews that way. I think uh I think if they have the talent to taste beer that way and then be able to find the, the descriptors to, to, to um, accompany the reviews, um, that's great. Uh, and there are people who go through the, the beer judging programs and they get certified and they actually have the taste buds to pull it off. I don't. Um, I can't tell you the difference, um, you know, the finer details that uh, make one beer distinct from another. But my book didn't need that. You know, it, it, uh, you know, when a beer came up, I just did my best to describe it in, in sort of the most cursory but accurate way that I could. Um, and also in a way that I, I could, you know, sort of explain a beer to, like, my dad and not have his eyes sort of, you know, glaze over. Um, you know, and uh, to my dad's credit, he's really gotten into craft beer, too, so I'm very impressed by, by that. But the book, to me, was was more about the people, right? It was as much about the beer... Um, because, you know, it's beer's great, and Alberta beer is great, but it was really, it, the book to me had to be about the people behind the beer and all those reasons um, that enabled those people to pursue their passions, to start these businesses and, and basically grow the industry. Um, and I also felt that, a, um, you know, that kind of book would be the sort of thing that uh, readers could relate to. Um, because it's a book about people. It's a book about um, their relationship with, with beer, their relationship with others, um, which is you know the kinds of stories I think that we want to read about anyway. Uh, we want to read about other people who are pursuing their passions and the challenges that they encounter and the ways that they find to overcome those challenges. I think that's just kind of the heart of, of storytelling in many ways.
2: Well, there were certainly a lot of takeaways in the book that just surprised me about the struggles that these individuals had when they were trying to start breweries or start monetizing it, I guess you might say, as opposed to, well, like you talk about how someone might have a great homebrew, but that doesn't translate to a successful business and just how far they have to go sort of get there. It was actually, it seemed to me like a great thing, like anyone who just wants to start any kind of business would probably be a good place to look because it's about Alberta, like it's relevant here.
1: Um, you're the first person who's, who's picked
2: up on that. And I'm so pleased
1: that you, you, you brought it up because, you know, I, I think about, I think about Alberta, like I've, I've lived here all of my life. Right. And, and, and we all, in spite of Alberta, I love Alberta, you know, um, it's, it's, it's my home. It's got great people and it can do so much with the resources that it has and the innovation, um, that takes place here and and sort of just the spirit of of the people and when I looked at Alberta beer I thought it was such a great example of all those things coming together to um, and this is this is the part where I worry I'm going to start boring everybody and 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 turning you know people off but so I won't go into it in great detail but it was a great example of economic diversification I thought you know like I, it was like I say, there was there was a resource right here in Alberta, fantastic barley. There were people who knew what to do with it. They were basically upgrading it, um, refining it in a sense, right? And there was a, you know there was a market that was in its infancy and and needed to be developed, and then the industry uh, itself found so many ways to to make it work in partnership with with government, for instance, who was willing to make a lot of. Uh, concessions and regulation and changes and stuff like that right Um, to to enable things to happen but it was a great thing to watch uh, an industry essentially it's hard to say be born because it's not like Alberta Craft Beer existed before you know um, most of my book takes place because it did but it really took off because of all these factors that that came together and I looked at that and I thought well why can't that happen with other businesses and industries and things like that in the province like and and it Probably can like, you know, it's because it's such a grassroots thing and it was just driven by average Albertans, you know, um, and and they worked together. You know, they the, the industry worked together to build the industry and to develop its market. And I really liked that. Um, and I just thought, well, let's just capture this story and then send it out there. And maybe it will stand as a bit of a model in some ways for other people who are saying, well, why can't we take that model and apply it to this type of business? And then maybe that goes on to something else and that kind of thing. Right. So I just, I like that aspect of the story. I thought it was bigger than beer.
2: Yeah. I think that part of the, of it is bigger. And I was actually wondering, and maybe this is a closely guarded secret. um, And you can tell me that, but if you've sort of stumbled across other niches, I guess in Alberta that you feel might go the same way or could go the same way in the next couple of years here,
1: that's a good question. I haven't thought about that. You would think that I should have thought about that. Um, but, but I was so focused on the beer and then I was forgetting everything and then I couldn't read my, any of my notes because my penmanship is so bad. Um, but um no, I you know I I think that you know I I think we'll we'll have to come out of the pandemic first um and and see, you know, we're we're going to have to kind of rise from those ashes and see what industries I don't want to say remain because they're all going to remain in one form or or another, but they're going to have to They're going to have to change they're going to have to figure out how to be more efficient and you know i think once they they do that they could look at something like uh alberta craft beer and apply some of the things that worked um to their own unique situations right like right now everything is in such a state of disarray and everybody is just trying to figure out how are we going to get through this what if there's another lockdown oh my god um you know that kind of thing right so I, th- I think you're right, it's going to be a couple of years before we can even begin to address that question.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no question that is going to be a factor, but it, it, at least it's some it's something for people to be excited about, you know, if they read your book, um, right. or if they just hear about it through the ether, like people in Alberta can do really neat, I mean, really cool stuff. And And oftentimes we don't appreciate what we're sitting on, like because for whatever reason, a lot of this stuff just isn't known, like what people do here and what they what they can do. It's just like it's something you hear about in other places like Portland or whatever, right? In the case of beer.
1: That's a good point, too. And um, if, if I can interject, you know, I, it's we're finally at a point as well where people are willing to embrace what we do have here um, and what's local. And you know, if you compare that to like um, like Alley Cat and when I was talking to, to Neil Herbst, who used to own Alley Cat about their struggles when they were starting up and just convincing Albertans that a beer made in Alberta using Alberta ingredients largely Alberta ingredients could be good you know like he, you know you had to <laughs> convince people that using Edmonton water to make craft beer would make great beer and people was like oh that sounds gross um you know but it it was ridiculous it was a ridiculous mindset um but there was something that um, you know 20 or, or 30 years ago that was real and it was getting in the way of appreciating local and now we're coming back you know we've really we've really done a 180 like it's you know we're, we're looking at local as as being something that is it, it's better it's closer it's it's probably healthier it's supporting local businesses and they, they maybe the thing that will also help coming out of the pandemic too is we're going to get that much closer to all of that right like even now like the push is just buy local, buy local, support everybody you can support locally um, if you can and if you're able. And I think that's actually happening. We're seeing it. We're certainly seeing it in craft beer, um, you know, uh, uh, the industry right now. Um, like there's there's breweries that probably, you know, were close to not making it. And they have made it um, to this point anyway because uh, of community support. Um, people are rallying to that cause. And I think that... I think the pandemic is going to is going to to advance that line of thinking and people will will even you know more strongly embrace what it is that we're making right here in the province and I think that's a really good thing.
0: Yeah, so obviously you read my it's Josh again. You read my yep. review and I I kind of I don't know if you completely alluded to this but just the comparison between like underground music and this craft beer scene. Definitely yeah. noticed that just like the, you know, it's like the little guy versus the, the monsters of rock or whatever. Yeah. But did you notice like there is a lot of the guys that are happy being the little guys? Did you notice like the people that were you could tell that their goal is to be be rock stars, like they're not content just being the little neighborhood brewery?
1: Yeah, I think I think so. You know, um there there are, you know, I, I certainly won't Name names, but there's definitely a couple breweries who have who have big ambitions, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm I'm i with you, Josh. I, I like I say I love the analogy. I, I um, I've played music myself with with buddies in a band for for years too, and so yeah, that really struck a chord uh, with me. But um, I think the good side of having those ambitions is that it really hones a business acumen, and I think that yeah you know, it goes back to the comment we were making earlier about the homebrew who wants to scale up right and the the you can have the greatest beer but if your business plan is is no good then your beer is might as well be no good as well and if you can have those business plans where you might be aspiring to at least grow and like you have to you just you just can't run a successful business otherwise and then you can't contribute to the industry as as a whole there's one guy I was talking to out of Calgary. There, um, I, I don't never know if I'm saying his last name right. Don C. Um He's uh, uh, like Don a consultant. Beer? Yeah, Don of beer. Don of beer. That's right. Why was I bringing him up?
0: I think like um, what you're saying it's he was talking about the the growth of uh, like taken from the for like the bigger, more widespread beers. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. A cap yeah. on that, you. maybe.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, that's right. There's there's only going to be room for so many, um, you know, his his uh, point of reference was Big Rock, right? And there's only going to be so much room for uh, uh, Big Rock-sized breweries in Alberta. And, you know, whoever gets to that point next is should be fine, and maybe there's another one who will actually get to that point as well, and there might be room for that, and then there won't be, you know? Um, But I think even the local neighborhood place um, still has to have, you know, a pretty solid business plan to serve its local neighborhood and make sure that they can do that. Make sure they're not running out of beer all the time. You know, that kind of thing. Like, you know, it's still like it warms my heart to think that there's very small breweries who are opening up to the point where they, they just have, you know, the most just just the most basic. Uh, equipment and capacity to open up and serve their local neighborhood, and and then run out of beer, you know, because it, it it hurts to show up at a brewery and, and hear that the the beer has run out. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, good, you're 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 being successful and people are supporting you. But is that sustainable? It's hard to say. Uh, um, Dog Island started out that way; they were running out of beer uh, with their first first batches, and now they're they're a very large brewery. Um, With a lot of capacity. So they did find a way to to get through that. So, you know, maybe maybe it works Um, But I I think you have to aspire uh, At least at some point like even if you're an indie band like you got to aspire to sell some t-shirts or something like that, man like, you know, um, and and it's got to be otherwise You're not gonna be able to keep doing it. You know what I mean? That was a really long rambling answer. I apologize, (laughs) but uh, But I just think you gotta you gotta do some homework besides just make great beer
2: yeah, I mean, I think you actually made that point pretty like clear in the in the story that in the book rather that um, people have a lot of homework that they have to put in, a lot of paying dues that they have to do. In fact, I think it's no less than three times you mention like you're interviewing someone and you point you write about their gray hair, which <laughs> I actually wonder if you've got any sort of flack about that because you always point it out, but it just goes to show it ain't free and also. Uh, you you wrote that uh, enthusiasm can make one do crazy things all these people have uh a passion pushing it forward which should be I think inspiring to people who want to do something with what they're interested in mm-hmm. you know it's it's very it's very possible
1: yeah i i I think it is possible and, and you know I, I, again if you've got it and maybe it's a matter of surrounding yourself with the right people too eh and and yeah. uh, like if you don't have this like if you're the brewer and, and you've got these great skills for brewing beer, like you, you, you may not have the other skills. You may have to bring those people in, and and I think that's that's where you, it's, um, that's where the, the real business building comes in, you know. And I think that's and my only experience as a business. I was an editor at at, at uh, Alberta Venture Magazine years ago before it went under, and so that's you know I can't pretend like I'm some kind of business person or entrepreneur, but you know I've spoken to enough of these people and know enough about what it takes to fail uh, <laughs> and what it takes to succeed. It's not terribly difficult. It's just a willingness um, maybe sometimes to admit I don't know what I'm doing um, with certain aspects of trying to make this succeed. And it's the same with any business, right? Like it's not just beer. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think if people are willing to do that, you, you can go a long way. And in those neighbors, uh, in those smaller centers where everybody knows each other that's that's gonna go you know like a smaller town in Alberta where everybody knows each other that's gonna go even further right like because you'll have that support um it's just a matter of not letting people down
2: yeah it was nice to read about how many like breweries and brewers actually support each other like literally during the tough times instead of it's not maybe the cutthroat atmosphere that you would expect from a, a small market or a growing market it's not like that at all um the challenge seems to be that like being in the black and not in the red.
1: Yeah. And I think like I think most brewers will tell you that's not going to happen for a long time. Like it's there's going to be a lot of years where it's just you're not turning a profit for a while. And because my understanding uh, by from talking to people in the book is the margins are very slim um, for 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 making beer. So I think, I think there's also that understanding you know, going into it that you're, you're, you're not going to be a rock star anytime soon. And you're going to have to pay dues and you're going to have to serve that local market and just make sure that you're being consistent and doing things that are going to keep bringing people back.
0: Yeah, Stuart and I were just talking and you kind of do mention it a bit in the book. It's like, I don't know if it's the, like, the generation, like me and him are uh, millennials okay. and we go to a, a pub. and like, well, what's local? And we'll try the one we haven't tried yet. Whereas, you know, my dad goes, give me my, you know, my labats blue every time, right? There right. seems to be no brand loyalty. So I don't know if that, do you consider that a, like helping the industry grow or do you think that's going to hold us back? The lack of brand loyalty to craft brewers, you mean? Yeah. Do you think that'll be like yeah. an opportunity for more places to get out there? Or do you think that'll be like, like you kind of said, there'll be a saturation point where there's just too many and there's just going to be nowhere to go for them?
1: I think it's a good thing for f- to to push the the industry to to continue to innovate um, because I think that yeah that's the reality like you know somebody comes out with you know the the latest hazy IPA and 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 somebody else says it's amazing and you got to go try it right and it's not as if you know you're feeling as if you're abandoning your favorite brewery to go and and try their beer. You just, you know, it's, it's, it's almost style driven, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I like that aspect of it because it also opens up, it opens up the market to any small brewery, you know, if any small brewery comes out with an amazing beer that week and everybody wants to try, everybody's going to go try this small brewery, right? Um, Rather than say, "Oh, who's that small brewery? We've never heard of them. Who cares? You know, that kind of thing. Everybody's willing to give it a chance. uh, And I think that that's fantastic. I think it'll keep driving innovation too, right? Because we can only drink so many hazy IPAs. Um, you know, I love them. I think I even, I'm getting a little tired of them. I want to see what's next and that kind of thing. And so it will keep pushing breweries to do crazier stuff, um, more interesting things. And I think that's it's good for the industry. Um, it's also good for Alberta beer as a whole because word will get out about the diversity And the experimental nature, even of uh, the industry in Alberta. You know, there was one review that I had out of uh, BC. And um, the one thing that, one of the things that stayed with me from that review is the fact that he said, well, here's a book that may actually um, uh, cause some of us BC beer snobs, uh, his words, "Um, to look at Alberta beer now. And, you know, I, I sure there's a book that will do this, but the beer will do this too. You know, once people get a taste of something interesting from Alberta, they're gonna be it's gonna change their perception of the entire industry. And it's only gonna take one beer, you know, in a lot of cases, right? Unless you go back to the next beer and it's crap. But it can really go a long way, I think, to to opening up the market beyond Alberta borders. And that's gonna be the 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 that's one of the next stages, right? Like that's gotta be one of the next challenges is try to keep Um, growing within Alberta, but then also uh, moving the beer outside Alberta. Um, And we cover that a little bit in the book, too, about how important that is in a number of ways. But, yeah, I I don't see the brand loyalty thing as being a big issue. I I think it's not a bad thing for for the industry. It's a great thing for drinkers, right?
0: Yeah, we're definitely winning in that equation. (laughs) We do.
1: That's all that matters,
0: yeah. So, yeah, obviously things are completely screwed up due to this pandemic, but... (laughs) You think, like, uh, what's the word? Like, unique tap rooms, like, before all this happened. But, like, for instance, like, I don't know if you, can't remember if you mentioned them, but, like, Revival, Brewcade, Beercade or Brewcade or whatever they call it in Calgary. Right? Right. Like, an adult, you know, like, stand-up video games. And then, uh, like, Analog in, in Edmonton, your yeah. hometown, like, they got a, like, their shtick is that they're video games. Like, you think, yep. like, things like that are going to be important? to stand out oh yeah i think so
1: um you know i think um like the the tap rooms are become such an important part of the development of of this industry as well and even just the laws that change to to enable the tap rooms to to take off in the way that they have um has made a a big difference to growth but um i think investing in in those is is going to be more and more important as we go along and you know some of them will just be really nice you know like really glossy places like I think well I don't know that for a fact so I won't get into it but you're right like some of them have themes and I think that's great fun um you know it, it might sort of lock them into a into a theme um for the rest of their lives and maybe that they're okay with that that's okay too I love analog by the way and I think about what they're doing um and I love going back to their tap room whenever I can but it's the experience too eh like if it's a nice comfortable place to hang out and 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 be with friends or not, or just be there and, and enjoy a beer on your own, and to have them be welcoming, vibrant places. You know, that's, that's that's the spirit of craft beer, really, right? Like, it's not just, you're not going to just pound back, you know, six Bud Lights or something. You're you're going to have an, an experience, and the taproom needs to reflect that. And I think that most new breweries have been really mindful of that, and, and they put a lot of care. You know, I, I went through the the Calgary uh, uh, breweries there in the book. We we did a little tour with a, a couple of friends there, and I was really impressed. You know, it, and it's not to say that we don't have nice places in Edmonton, um, but they have really nice places in Calgary, and um, I, I was I was shocked at the um, attention to detail that um, these breweries had paid to not just their Brewing equipment, but to this room where people would enjoy their beer. And I think it influences how we perceive their product. And and the other thing is that these breweries make more money off of their their beer per unit in the tap room. And so, uh, like when I was talking to the guys at uh, Prairie Dog there in Calgary, it's, uh, you know, if if you can bring more, they have a pub, of course, and and a a restaurant, but nevertheless, if you can bring more people into your tap room and sell more beer there, you're going to get more off of that beer than you would selling it elsewhere. Uh, And I think that that's extremely important. Uh, Also, again, from just the perspective of of a business plan, but, um, you know, how it works out in terms of volume and number crunching, I don't know. Um, But uh, I I still think it makes a big difference in so many ways.
2: So I was just wondering, for the sake of all our listeners who are into writing or uh, who may be looking at getting into writing, Mm. how do you find or how do you structure your time so that you write all this This much, you know, output, because I think that would be even for me. I was just kind of curious how you do it.
1: Oh, well, um, (coughs) it's time management, (laughs) I, um, you know, like I say, I have uh, two little kids. Uh, One's five, uh, one's seven. It was unfortunate as well um, when we got going. It's not as well. um, Like my children are unfortunate. What I mean is to say it was unfortunate. When I got going on this project, my wife uh, experienced a, uh, suffered a concussion, and so she was kind of taken out of commission for, for a little while. And this was uh, um, after the book deal had been um, squared away, and I was underway with the writing and that kind of thing. So I had to get very good at um, figuring out how to manage my time, and I was working a full-time job at the same time which I'm still doing. None of this is to say, poor me, don't get me wrong. It's just to say that, hey, this can be done (laughs) because it can. Um, You know, I dedicated the book to my parents um, because they were instrumental in, um, well, many things, but one was actually helping to get the book written because uh, they live in St. Albert, which isn't far from where I live in Edmonton and where I grew up. And so I would go with the kids on Saturday afternoons and drop them off, um, for, uh, you know, a few hours. And then I would go to libraries, you know, or public library, and they had these wonderful little rooms. Um, two of them, uh, they're like closet sized things. And I just go in there and I would close my uh, door and sit down, uh, with a cup of crappy seven 11 coffee and a terrible donut and work for about four hours. And you can do a lot when you're under a deadline, first of all, and then also when you have that understanding that if I don't use this time, uh, I'm gonna be in, paying for it later. I also taught myself to get up a little early. I know that's a writer's trick from all kinds of people. Uh, not super early, maybe I'd write for a half hour before I'm going to work. Uh, when I got home after putting kids to, to bed, do another hour if I could, um, maybe even just half hour, depending on how I was feeling. People were great, uh, like all the, the, the sources. Um, you know, If I wanted to do an interview in the evening, they'd, they'd do that, um, or at lunchtime or something. It was really just an assessment of where is my free time in my life uh, and how can I sort of <laughs> mobilize it to, to put towards this project. And I think about it now, the way that I use that time, like I'm 40, I don't know, 45 this year. Like when I was your guy's age, right, I had a lot of time in my hands. And, and I look back on that time and it sort of breaks my heart <laughs> because I'm just like, what did I do with it all? And, you know, I spent it well. It was fun, but, you know, I didn't write a book. Uh, and it took me until I got to be in my mid 40s to understand how important time was. And that is it is a diminishing and exhaustible resource. Um, and that I better use it because, you know, who knows what's happening tomorrow. Right. So that was a sad spin on that. Sorry. Um <laughs> But it's really true. It's just so amazing what you can do with with time if you realize how precious it precious it is all of a sudden, and if you have pressures that show you that the time is really important. So I really cherish that that having gained that understanding. You know, it's not to say I've been like super busy ever since the book. out you know, I haven't written a thing. Like I just can't. You know, I just I, I work at my job and I write there, and and I'm starting to finally get back into feeling like I need to to write again and and to get going on a on a project big or small um but you know i i haven't i haven't really committed to anything at the moment because there's also this thing of trying to you know sell this book um you know and and, and participate in great things like this podcast uh, which also have to be done now and which are enjoyable experiences to to have on the other side of of the long project of writing the book
0: all right right, ma'am. well we're gonna let you get going with your day because time is precious. You've I'm that point home. We, we get it. That wasn't my point. Sorry. I know. But guys, I got to go. I got to go. Time. Time's running right yeah. up. <laughs> well, we do appreciate you taking the time. And anybody listening, I would highly recommend this book as it's informative. And it's, I don't know, I found it really enjoyable to read. What do you think, Stuart? The same on all those points. <laughs> if you enjoy beer, you should enjoy this. Thanks, guys. Yeah, do you have any uh, final remarks for the for the folks at home before you let you get on with your day? Um,
1: no, I'm just I'm just really grateful to have had the opportunity to speak with you guys today and and to be on the podcast. Uh, uh, thanks for that, and uh, yeah, I've talked to you year off, so um, uh, thanks for indulging me.
0: Oh well, man, thanks very much for coming on, and best of luck on your your journey at the breweries with little kids and. A wife doesn't drink? <laughs> I'll do my best. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Right now. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bird Drop. Make sure you're checking out all the uh, supplementary articles on BrutalRealityDigest.com and in the zine itself. Don't have a copy? You can subscribe on BrutalRealityDigest.com. See you again soon.